I'm Stephen Simcox. Uh, next to me is Kevin Borba. I host Locked On Horn Frogs. He hosts Locked On Buffs. We're finally going to find out in like 48 hours or so if Colorado is good. We're going to find out if TCU is good. We'll have some questions answered, but we'll we'll speak in some more hypotheticals next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, Locked Over Buffs, a crossover edition of uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Horn Frogs and Locked On Buffs. I'm Stephen Simcox. Again, next to me is Kevin Borba. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Borba. Make sure to Subscribe to his YouTube channel, Locked On Buffs. You can subscribe to Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube as well. Thanks for making those shows your first listen. We're brought to you by LinkedIn today. Okay, Kevin. So uh, we were talking a little bit before we got going here. Everybody's excited for football season, obviously. Hmm. But I feel like for you, there's probably more juice and energy than normal because there's there's so many questions about this Colorado team. And I mean, you could spin it and say, like, this is going to be an amazing thing. You could spin it and say this could be a train wreck. Uh, but we'll we'll actually get some concrete answers on Saturday when these two teams play. So how excited are you to just actually see the team and finally get, you know, a vision of what they have put on paper? I'm just – I'm – to answer your question, I'm super excited. Um, college football is back, which is why we all do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting in general. But, yeah, like you talked about, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, I'm making, like, radio appearances and podcast appearances, and people will ask me about the team. And there's only, there's only so much I could give because, obviously, I see the well-off videos. I talk to people who are there because, obviously, I'm in California. So I talk to people that are um, taking in practices or whatever it may be. And it's like you can only get so much from that. Um, the eye test, I'm not a big proponent of the quote-unquote eye test that the, the playoff committee uses. But, I mean, there it kind of applies here where it's like I really would just like to see things – uh, go down in person and so I'm excited to see what this team ends up being <laughs> and and so I've talked about this game I did an episode about it a few months ago and you came on the show and then obviously this week we've been discussing it um, and one thing that has stood out to me is I feel like I've given Dion and this group adequate respect they've really overhauled this roster there are a lot of fans of Colorado fans of Coach Prime that have been like, you don't understand like the talent level that's coming in to Fort Worth on Saturday, uh, which might be true. But I- I'm just curious from your perspective, aside from the obvious names like Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders. Um, and then it's weird because I'm so tunnel vision on the transfers. They also have freshmen that are coming in as well. Like somebody told me the other day, they were like, well, they have two receivers that are in the top, you know, 300 recruits. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I wasn't even really thinking about that aspect, but of, of the newcomers, besides the obvious two guys, who were a few names that you're most excited to see or that people should know going into the game Saturday? Yeah, I'll do a couple on offense and a couple on defense. Um, I think offensively, uh, Xavier Weaver and and then Jimmy Horn Jr., uh, they're both wide receivers. They both transferred um, from the University of Southern Florida or South Florida, whatever it is, uh, USF. <laughs> Jimmy Horn is probably one of the fastest guys in the country. Um, just It is what it is. Like He's super fast. I think he ran a verified 4-3 already. Um, 4340 that is and then Xavier Weaver was um, 
he left USF as one of their most accomplished receivers of all time. I think he finished sixth in like receiving yards in program history. And so with obviously with better quarterback play, they're upgrading from, and we know who he is. Gary Bohannon was his quarterback last year. Um, so we know what Gary Bohannon is. He's all right. Um, so upgrading quarterback play should give them more opportunities to play. Um, I look at another receiver as Javon Antonio. He came from Northwestern state. Um, he's like six, five, uh, kind of looks like a, I don't want to call him Calvin Johnson, but that's what he's built. Like he's huge, super muscular. Um, and kind of goes up and gets the jump ball. And then obviously on the defensive line, um, which, as we know, was kind of the biggest uh, victim or one of the biggest victims of Tom Lubinville's or Luganville, I forgot how to say his name, the ESPN analyst. Uh, he transferred from Arkansas, uh, had seven and a half sacks this past season, and is kind of, I think, someone who could really burst onto the scene. Uh, I feel like, obviously, if we're kind of criticizing their defense line this frequently, we're not looking at the fact that they have someone who recorded seven and a half sacks in SEC play, and then they also have an Arkansas safety in Miles Slusher, who is another really good player um, for the Razorbacks. So they have a lot of talented guys all over the field, and then they just recently added Jawan Mitchell. Um, I don't know if he'll play this week. They literally added him like last week. Right. Uh, he played at Tennessee, Texas, and then was at ASU for a week before being dismissed. So they have guys i think it's just you look at or you think of they brought in jackson state players which they brought in like five or six and then you look at the fact that they brought in some fcs guys and so i think people get stuck on that when there's clemson transfers alabama transfers florida state transfers like you mentioned and so you you're a guy with texas roots uh and and you know it's it's always hot in september in the state of texas Mm -hmm. i will say this summer has been especially brutal uh so one thing from from a tcu standpoint Fans have been like, listen, the heat index is going to be over 100 degrees. It's going to be really hot on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, has Dion talked about that? Is that something that they're concerned about? I know they're accounting for it, but is, is, do you think that'll be a legitimate factor in the game Saturday? I want to say no. Um, I think obviously it's going to be hot and both teams have to play in the heat and both teams are going to get fatigued and there's going to be adrenaline. Um, I'm looking at the weather right now in Colorado and it's 90 degrees. Um, Obviously that's not 100 and whatever you said, but 90 90 degrees in the mountains may feel just as warm as it does there. Um, Plus you got to keep in mind, we've been talking about all these transfers and all the players that coach prime brought in a bunch of them are from Florida. So Mm -hmm. they're from, they're from the humidity. They're from these areas. And so I think, They'll probably get there. They'll warm, warm up and get used to the heat. But I don't think it'll be as big of a factor as people are making it seem. I think when we think of Colorado, it's like, oh, it's the winter wonderland. But no, it, get, it gets toasty out there. It's humid. Um, they're, they're in the mountains, so they're just as close to the sun as anybody. So I think it'll play a little factor, but I don't think it's going to be like, a oh, we lost this game because it was nine, 102 degrees, you know? Right. Um, I did an episode Wednesday about uh, the trenches, so offensive and defensive line. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, you mentioned the defensive line. When I started to look at the D-line for Colorado, I was like, okay, well, they have a pretty good combination of both guys that have put up numbers in the Power 5 level and then players that you would think could give them some depth, right, mm-hmm. like just give them a good snap count. Um, I'm not really sure about that Colorado offensive line. So – when you when you look at those two sides of the ball, do you think they're good enough to hold up? And I guess which one would give you bigger concerns going into the season? Yeah, the defense line I trust way more than the offensive line. You kind of mentioned it. They have guys like Leonard Payne who played a lot at Fresno State. They have guys like Amari McNeil or um, a guy from Florida State. His name's slipping my mind, Bishop Thomas. Um, they were both backups there at Tennessee and uh, Florida State, but they are still power five guys. They're big bodies. Um, they brought in Savelle Smalls, who's a former five-star recruit from Washington. 
Um, that, like I mentioned earlier, they have Jordan Dominic, they have Shane Cox, who came from Dartmouth and was very productive there. And now he's kind of emerged as one of the leaders. And so I look at that defense line. I'm like, they have bodies, they have experience, and they have guys who I think can make plays. But then I look at the offense line, and I did an episode about this a couple days ago, and the fans of Colorado were not too pleased with it. Uh, the offense line is very shaky at best, I would say. Uh, one of their best offense line offensive lineman excuse me was just ruled ineligible by the ncaa due to the transfer um two-time transfer rule which i think is yeah. ridiculous um to go on a quick tangent the ncaa kind of made it seem like they cared about mental health um so when a kid transfers to a school where he no longer has to pay out of pocket for mental health resources and it's just a better situation for his mental health and he's not eligible seems interesting to me um but yeah they lost him and the offensive line was kind of the unit that was already shaky as it is and so they're bringing in a lot of guys who i think the offense line is the one position group where you could look at it and be like okay he played at the fcs level but does that trans does that translate right. i think skill positions like receiver um like i mentioned earlier javon antonio from northwestern state you're like ah it's not a it's not a power five it's not fcs it was a d2 school i believe but does does it translate if if he's a skill guy and he's got the size maybe he just didn't have the grades or maybe he just didn't get the proper looks maybe he's a late bloomer mm -hmm. offensive line they're a little undersized at some positions um, they do have some big bodies i won't take that away from them but they're under undersized and inexperienced and so that's my concern um but Shadur sanders can kind of move a little bit so that should help but uh that that'd be that is my biggest question on the team <laughs> okay yeah and, and that's i mean that's a that's good perspective um because obviously that's that's gonna be a huge part of this ball game and then moving forward you know keeping that quarterback upright uh sean lewis you know huge name in the offseason uh former head coach at kent state mm -hmm. we know both these teams i, I expect are gonna run they're gonna go fast they're gonna have tempo um besides just the speed of it what can you kind of expect from his offense on saturday yeah i think we just talked about the offense line being a weakness. Um, I think we can we can expect speed and where they're going to be getting the ball out quick. Um, I think they're just going to try to put the offensive line in positions to succeed. Um, you obviously, if you're not confident in them, you don't want them to try and block for Shadur Sanders as he waits for a place to develop downfield. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that they won't um, take shots down the field, but I think they're going to go quick and try to get everybody comfortable. Um, I think they're going to try to use the running game the best they can, um, kind of take the pressure off Shadur Sanders and realistically – this is what Colorado's advantage is. And Sonny Dykes talked about it. I think it was last week. Um, there's no really film on anybody on this team right now. Like, obviously, right. there's film from Jackson State. There's film from USF. Um, there's film from Kent State. But there's different players everywhere. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the advantage that they have. And if I'm Sean Lewis, um, maybe I throw out a couple different looks that I didn't even show at Kent State. Maybe I throw right. out a couple of plays or schemes that we haven't really been using. Um, just kind of make it confusing and difficult for TCU before they can really – hone in or kind of start attacking that offensive line. And so final thing before we kind of flip the script here, um, when I'm looking at this team, there's there's talent, especially the skill positions. It, do you think secondary is where Colorado feels like they're at their best with kind of the combination of young talent and some experienced guys as well? Yeah, I think the secondary is probably their deepest outside of receiver because uh, I love their receiver group. They just have speed and athleticism everywhere. But the secondary is starting caliber guys all over the place. Um, obviously, there's Travis Hunter locking down one spot. And I wrote about it um, yesterday over on Athlon. Cormani McLean, the five-star recruit, was expected to come in and start right away. Um, there's two other guys that are pushing for that other corner spot that it's so close that uh, Coach Prime himself said that it just depends who comes off the bus first. That's how close it is for that corner spot. So they have a five-star 
who will probably start eventually. Um, that's kind of waiting in the wings. And then their safeties, they have, I think it's six or seven guys that started somewhere else last year. Um, so it's not like they brought in guys that were inexperienced. They have a guy that played a lot at Florida State. They have a guy that started at Kentucky. They had a guy that um, was all everything at Southern Utah. They have Shiloh Sanders, who played at Jackson State in South Carolina. And so that secondary is very deep. Uh, Miles Slusher, who I mentioned earlier from Arkansas. Um, it's so hard to, to remember everybody because there's so many talented secondary members. And it's crazy because at most there's three of the three safeties on the field, and that's probably their deepest position. And so um, they have a lot of depth there. So I think that's a good thing when you think of how much passing there is in the modern college football era. When we come back, uh, TCU also has a lot of new faces. Kevin will ask me about that, along with uh, Chandler Morris, new quarterback for the Frogs. That's coming up here on this crossover edition. Do you want to mention one of our great sponsors, though, LinkedIn? If you need to hire somebody, uh, use LinkedIn. Listen, it can feel like a high-stakes wager when you're trying to find talent for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. So use LinkedIn Jobs. Everybody knows LinkedIn is the place to go when you need to find work. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right people for your team faster, and it's free. You can add your job to their hiring frame and to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring, and they have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy for you to weed out people that might not make sense for the position. Um, and you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Don't waste time. Use LinkedIn. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to, and they do it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. You see it on the screen there if you're watching on YouTube. LinkedIn.com slash college. Uh, please use their service today. All right, Kevin, what's on your mind as uh, Colorado takes on TCU here in a couple of days now? Yeah, I'm taking over the show now. Um, <laughs> I think, okay, obviously I understand TCU's 20 and a half point favorites or 21 point favorites by now. Who knows what the, mm -hmm. the line is. But I'm looking at last season's matchup. And this is just using my favorite property, the transitive property. Okay. Um, that game was an ugly watch for the first half or so. Um, Chandler Morris was playing quarterback for TCU before he went down with an injury. And we looked at how that Colorado team did. They finished the season one and 11. Okay. So bear with me. Chandler Morris struggled against that team. And I would say we've up or not. We coach prime has upgraded the roster at Colorado. So theoretically using the transfer property, of course, how good is Chandler Morris going to be? And why is TCU so favored, even though we saw him struggle against a worse team last season. Now, now put it all together for me, Stephen. <laughs> now, I think it's a fair question. I mean, I feel like TCU was in sort of a similar situation as Colorado is in now going into last season. Brand new head coach, new staff, uh, not this many new faces. They actually did have the core group from the, the previous years, but did add a lot of players in the transfer portal. You know, the things I remember from that first half of action, there was a lightning delay. I think that game started like an hour and a half later than it was expected to. Um, and I feel like the guys came out pretty amped. And, yeah, Chandler missed some throws. He definitely didn't look great. Now, they started to get it going in the second half of that ball game before he twisted his knee, but they mainly did it running the football. Um, and he didn't play last year, but I feel like he got a lot of, you know, reps in practice. He's been around for four seasons, so it's, it's this weird thing where – is he a known commodity? No, but like you, you feel like he's he's a veteran. So I guess we'll find out when the when the bullets actually start flying. Um, I think the team has a chip on their shoulder following 
an embarrassing loss in the national championship game. Um, they do have a new offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles, and so they're running a new system. But I just believe that they have a good understanding of what Coach Dykes and the staff expects from them. Um, and they added – I mean, they added talent. I, I don't know. It's always tricky. There are – there's a narrative around TCU that they feel like they're actually – physically like in a better situation than they were last season with some of the talent they have on the roster. The bottom line is they have to go win the games because they haven't done that yet. And last year's team did. Um, but I think Chandler Morris has good pieces around him. Um, they're running an offense that he ran uh, at Highland park in high school when he played under Randy Allen, it's going to be a lot of tempo, a lot of RPO. Um, and they just, they believe that they're, ready to rock and roll. I think there's a lot more continuity, you know, with this group, obviously, than there is with this Colorado team. Um, and so it is one of the huge sort of question marks around the season, and it's going to be predicated around his play. But, you know, the word from from the staff was that Chandler is really accurate. Um, and there were times last year where he looked, you know, as good as Max Duggan did, and he won that job coming into the season but Max was just the guy and they weren't going to change that up um, in the middle of, of an incredible hot streak that he was on. And he really took that team and ran with it. So uh, yeah, when you put it like that on the surface, it sounds a little strange, but I just, I believe that this group um, has a lot more going for them from a, a continuity standpoint than, than Colorado does at the moment. Okay. Uh, I feel like the thing with me and Chandler, not me and Chandler, I don't know, but I feel like the thing that gets me with Chandler Morris is like, Obviously, we're. It feels like we're reliving the same cycle as we did last year. If you like, if you feel me, um, obviously going into the fall camp or spring camp and heading into the season last year, he beat out Max Duggan. Like it was like not even close. According to Sonny Dykes, like it was like Chandler Morris sounded like he was a world's better at quarterback. And then he comes in, and I think it's fair to say he was mediocre at best. Um, I think the lights were a little bright for him. Maybe he was a little amped up or whatever it was. Um, but I feel like we're kind of reliving this. Obviously, there's no quarterback pushing him as much as there was max duggan but it feels like we're reliving the conversation of like okay he's really good in the offseason um it's going to translate this time and obviously there's a new system for him and uh, there's new teammates like john paul richardson and uh, jojo earl to to work with you don't have quentin johnson anymore but that's kind of the that's my biggest question mark i i think people have explained it to me hundreds of times and until i see chandler morris go out there and play well i'm just going to question him um, but talk to me about the offense because you lose guys like Quinn Johnson. Um, you lose your – I think you lost your entire running back stable, um, if I'm not mistaken, like all of the ones that contributed the most at least. Yeah, uh, that's, probably, some, yeah that's, that's a fair assessment. You, you lost some key receivers as well. Um, talk to me about the new guys, um, what to expect, and kind of – it feels similar to Colorado because you're relying on transfers, some of which have proven themselves and some of which were names that just didn't get a chance yet. So talk to me about that. Well, from a running back perspective, I mean, Monty Bailey's coming back um, and he got some carries last year, but obviously not the production that Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato had. Um, he transferred in from Louisiana, University of Louisiana the previous offseason, and so he'll be running back one. They brought in Trey Sanders from Alabama as the other running back um, who played a little bit for the Crimson Tide. He had a, a really nasty car accident a few seasons ago and he's still working his way back. So I, I think Trey is, they, they complement each other. Well, at least on paper, Imani's uh, kind of shot out of the cannon. He's explosive. Sanders is more of your patient, you know, runner where he's stringing the uh, line of scrimmage out. He's going to find yardage. He's going to try to 
um, breakthrough and, and get yards after after contact. And then the right, wide receiver position, um, Savion Williams is coming back, who was a big part of their team that went to the national championship last year. Um, John Paul Richardson, who you mentioned from Oklahoma State, who had over 600 yards receiving for the Pokes last year. JoJo Earl, transfer from Alabama. Um, Jared Wiley was involved in the offense a lot last season at tight end. He's back. Uh, Jack Besh is a guy they're excited about from LSU. He's a freshman All-American a few seasons ago um, for the for the Tigers. And then some more kind of uh, question mark guys, just because they haven't really done it. Daylon Wright from Minnesota. He was at AM, then he went to Minnesota. Now he's here. Uh, big outside receiver. Um, and Warren Thompson, who's kind of followed Kendall Bryles just about wherever he's been, but he's now he's now on campus at Fort Worth. Uh, and Cordell Russell, their true freshman. So, I mean, I, I think yes, there are there's definitely some players that you're uh, you're looking more at projection than production. But I would say the biggest difference is, I mean, Colorado has a, a lot of guys that did things at South Florida or at Jackson State. And I mean, with Wiley and Williams, we're talking about two players that were uh, factors on a team that went to the national title game last year. Um, John Paul Richardson was one of the leading receivers at Oklahoma State. So there's more proven production. Uh, but, yeah, you're still you're still going on some um, guys on the outside, especially, that haven't, haven't put up huge numbers and are going to have to prove it on the field before everyone really believes it. Yeah, I think – I feel like these, these teams are much more similar than people realize. I think there's a lot of similarities in the fact that there are a lot of transfers all over the place. There's a lot of guys – looking to step into new roles um, that they maybe they were the backup at their previous school um, and maybe this is their first opportunity. Um, I wanted to talk about the defense before we kind of move on to our predictions about the game and stuff. Um, last season, uh, you guys won a lot of close games. I, th- I think you how, do you know the number off the top of your head before I before I continue? I think it was like it was, there was of like game. of like one score games yeah, or one score games. Yeah. It was, it was, I, I don't. I mean, Baylor was a one-score game. I think West Virginia might have ended up being a one-score game. SMU, right? There were there were probably five, four or five at least. So a lot of one-score games. Those could go either way. Um, yeah. And then you make it to the playoff, kind of have your way with Michigan. But then Georgia blows you out. Kind of, I don't want to say exposes your defense, but if I'm Colorado, I'm watching that Georgia film repeatedly on offense. If I'm mm-hmm. Sean Lewis, that's what I'm watching. And I'm going, okay, this is what Georgia did. Obviously, Colorado's not Georgia. I'm not claiming that they are Georgia, but that's the blueprint right there. So what has that defense improved, lost, and how can they kind of build up to be in better situation than they were last year? I mean, they got a lot of guys coming back. This is kind of the steady force uh, for for this defense. Um, if Colorado has Brock Bowers on their roster, I don't want to see him on Saturday. But I, I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think they actually I, have. I, I said they weren't Georgia. I said they weren't Georgia. But that's still the blueprint. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the blueprint to your point is uh, you want to get these safeties in coverage situations. You know, it's, okay. it's a three-three-five scheme, and so you have some guys. I would say Mark Perry fits this mold, which Colorado fans would probably be familiar with that name. Um, you might have some different thoughts than TCU fans do about him. Mark was, was pretty solid for us last year. Uh, and some guys that are more down in the box, okay? You know, they're, they're, more, they're more there to be in run support, be kind of like an extra linebacker. Um, and so Georgia and Michigan both, I think, isolated uh, those players in coverage situations because the corners, Josh Newton and Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, were really good. And I think TCU, again, has really good corners. Josh Newton's back. Avery Helm is 
coming over from Florida, and he should be at the other corner spot. Um, and and so I would say, yeah, they're going to probably want to target Mark Perry, Bud Clark, uh, Josh Foster, um, and that'll be something that everybody tries to do. I, I don't think they have the personnel to, to do it as well as Georgia and Michigan and Kansas State did, but I'm sure that Sean Lewis is watching that film and he's like, you know, that's that's what I want to try to, to get at. Um, but I think overall this defense – uh, is is a lot more steady than the offense. You're in year two of Joe Gillespie's scheme. Um, these linebackers are, for the most part, they're back. Jamoy Hodge, Johnny Hodges, Shad Banks, uh, Namdi Abizor are all guys that played last year for them, a lot of snaps. Um, I talked about the secondary. You're bringing all your safeties back, and you're replacing one corner, but he's got good power five experience. He played in the SEC. So, um, again, though, the, I think the question's going to be, what does Colorado run? And Sonny Dykes has said, I, I don't know. I don't, he doesn't have an answer to it. I don't have an answer to it. And I wouldn't be shocked if they hit some big plays in the first half just because, I mean, it's hard if you're not watching the film to, to understand what these concepts are. I, I think the good thing for TCU, you talked about last year's games. There were games where, you know, Oklahoma State kind of had their way with them in the first half. Uh, Kansas so State. Come back kids. Yeah, scored a lot of points. West Virginia even put up a lot of points on them in Morgantown. But um, Gillespie seemed to have a knack for getting in the locker room or during the game. Okay, here's what they're doing. Here's how we adjust to it. And um, that that would save them. Now they, they're going to have to do that uh, probably on Saturday because I would imagine Colorado's going to throw the kitchen sink at them and throw some things that they just aren't honestly prepared for. Um, but, it's yeah, it's an experienced unit, and – um, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think everybody's going to try to do what some of those teams did at the back end of the schedule. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, you know, TCU is also, for, for my sake, I, I know not everyone agrees, watching this video agrees with me, uh, but they've watched that stuff as well, and they have better better counters for it than they did last season. Okay, so I got two questions. One of them is just a clarification, just to kind of for Colorado fans. Basically, the key to Colorado succeeding is Shadur Sanders being able to beat your safeties, correct? Or just being able to expose the guys that are kind of the weaker links of the defense, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think targeting those guys in coverage is, I mean, if you can do that, if you can isolate them, there's there's big plays to be had there unless they've made adjustments and improved a lot in that area in the offseason. So that, that, again, comes down to the offensive line, which will be interesting because I like this matchup, offensive line versus TCU's defense line, because I'm looking into TCU's, roster from last year i do a little deep dive as one does and they lost two guys that combined for 60 percent of their sacks so where does that pressure come from and are you confident in because you could tell the viewers better than i can they have a couple freshmen that are probably going to play major roles or a couple underclassmen that will play major roles so how does that defensive line look against anyone really like what is the expectation from them yeah, I mean, it's a it's a question for the defense for sure. Dominic Williams in the middle, um, he's he's the guy. Now, I, I don't think at nose tackle he's going to get consistent pressure, um, mm-hmm. but he's coming over after having an outstanding true freshman season. Paul Olawale um, is one of those underclassmen that you're talking mm-hmm. about, redshirt freshman or sophomore. I'm not sure how they have him classified, but I think he'll play at one of those defensive ends. I think they'll kind of rotate Caleb Fox, Tymon Mitchell, who were two guys that they had last season. Um, Rick DeBrew is an interesting name. Um, he's an edge player from East Carolina that doesn't have like numbers that pop off the page, but the, uh, the TCU 
staff seems like they, they just feel like they kind of found him and that he's going to be a gem for them. Okay. Um, Jonathan Bax is sort of a, a twitchy outside linebacker type guy that I could see maybe rushing the passer. Um, the interesting thing is Dylan Horton, who is is the guy you're talking the most about, who's with the Texans now, um, he became their sack guy. But it wasn't really until later in the season. You know, they weren't, they weren't a team that got consistent pressure. Um, and so it, it's not – because they play a three-down front, it's not always about getting to the quarterback. I think it's it's more of can you hold your ground and not get blown off the ball in the run game. And so that's, that's what I'm going to watch more. Um, and part of that, too, is Sean Lewis likes to run the ball against light boxes. I mean, he's going to try to manipulate the numbers to his advantage. Um, so I would say that that would be my bigger uh, question or concern for the game mm-hmm. is can Colorado get their run game going? Because, you know, that may, I mean, just in general, that makes things easier it for does. an offense. But obviously that's something that they're going to want to do. Yeah, it gets the offensive line confident. And a little update for my Colorado listeners. Alton McCaskill is kind of a TBD type of guy. Um, he's been in a non, non-contact jersey this whole month, and Coach Prime didn't really make it seem like he was going to play. Um, well, he said he didn't want to put him out there and throw him into the fire. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Kavosi Smoke and then Dylan, Edward, Dylan Edwards, excuse me, and then maybe a couple other guys, Anthony Hankerson, who returned from last year, one of the few leftover guys. Um, okay, Stephen, I want to, before we do our predictions, one more thing. I want, quickly one matchup that you're looking forward to like position group against position group Ooh. um yeah i mean i think this this colorado wide receivers versus tcu secondary um okay. i don't know how much okay i guess i'll i'll quickly ask you this how much is travis hunter going to play on offense i mean do we know do we have an idea it's tough tough to go off of the spring game he played every offensive snap available so okay um, it's, it's hard to tell <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, Travis Hunter against like Josh Newton and or Avery Helm would be fun, um, and then Jimmy Horn Jr. and Xavier Weaver uh, coming over as well. I think that's an exciting group. I know Colorado feels like they're really deep there, uh, and TCU feels like they're deep at, at the corner position. So um, that would be my that that's the one I'm most excited to see uh, when when the two teams take the field. I'm going with the trenches. I, I need to see Colorado's offense line versus TCU's defense line. Um, we, we've heard the criticism um, that they are kind of the weak link. We've heard people say that they're not going to – the team's going to struggle because they struggle. So do they silence the doubters or do they not? Um, but, yeah, that's my biggest question. Um, now it's time for our predictions, Stephen, so lead the way. So let's take a quick break here, and then we'll get, we'll get keys to the game and predictions. All right, Kevin, give me one or two. You talked about matchups. Give me just one or two keys for Colorado. If they win this game, how does it get done? Yeah, I think the, the main key is protecting Shadur Sanders. Um, if this offense is going to go at all, they need him to have some time. It doesn't matter how athletic of a quarterback you are. It's hard to uh, make plays when you're always running for your life. And then the other one, um, I think they need to, to pressure Chandler Morris. Um, I think if they want to win this game, they need to make Chandler Morris uncomfortable and kind of – make him go back to his, I guess, last year's debut when he was kind of struggling and over making over overthrowing the ball and kind of just not looking like he was as advertised. What about you? What's the key for TCU? Yeah, I mean, I'll say Sonny's talked a lot about how they're trying to just focus on themselves because of the challenge of preparing for this team. So, I, I mean, I think football 101, not turning the ball over, not right. committing stupid penalties, don't give up like a special teams touchdown, any sort of – um easy scores, easy plays for Colorado have to be, you know, just a a big no for the game. And then 
Um, I think offensively they're going to need to score. You know, I, I feel like they can win this game comfortably, but um, with the unknown of, of Colorado's offense and team in general, I, I believe that's that's the side of the ball where they can exploit things more because, you know, regardless of what they kind of do on defense, if TCU can get the ball in their playmakers' hands, hopefully they can uh, they can make some plays. Okay, Kevin, moment of truth here. I'm sure nobody will remember this or hold us to it, but let's 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 get our predictions for Saturday. What do you think happens? So I think I think Colorado covers. Um, I think the the 20 point spread. There's just too many uh, variables that have changed for both teams. I don't, and it's game one, so nobody's going to be perfect. Um, I'm also factoring that in. So I think Colorado covers. Um, this has been a game that I've consistently said that I see TCU winning um, by a touchdown or two. Um, I think. Colorado wins this into the Nebraska game, but that's not what this episode's about. Um, I think TCU, like you, we you alluded to it earlier. Um, they just made it to the championship. Um, they return more. Um, and obviously, I think there's just kind of a different energy around them. I think Colorado, they're gonna be answering a lot of questions as they go, is what it feels like. And I think this team will hit their stride eventually. Um, I just feel like they have to work through some kinks, and I think that's kind of gonna be the result of this game. Yeah, I'm going to pick TCU as well. I mean, just straight up. Um, the covering aspect is fascinating. I felt a lot more confident about them covering before I really dug into the Colorado roster this week. I, I think, you know, there's, I still have questions about Colorado being cohesive. Um, but from a skill position standpoint, I feel like they're solid. And you, you talked about game one. It, it's just really hard to play a perfect game in game yep. one. There's, there's bound to be some mistakes. Uh, but I'll stick with my prediction. I think they end up covering, um, but I could see this being a, a close game in the first half. Uh, please let us know, and I know you will. I don't really have to ask. Uh, I've yeah. seen the, I've seen the passion of both fan bases this week. Yeah, you can you can argue in the comments here on YouTube. You can also tweet at us. Tweet at us. I'm at some I'm at some Cox Steven. That's at Kevin underscore Borba. Kevin, anything else you want to plug before we go here? No, just you can follow my my writing work over at Athlon. I'm covering Colorado and the whole Pac-12 for what will be the last year of the Pac-12 probably. Um, so it's an exciting year of great football. Um, looking forward to seeing this college football season get started. This is fun, and we'll we'll have some concrete evidence on Saturday will, night, finally. which will be <laughs> which will be good to see. Uh, this is uh, Locked On Crossover Edition. It's your team every day.